This 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 is MuggleCast, MuggleNet.com's brand new podcasting feature. Episode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Whoa, for August 8th, 2006. CYGoodEddy.com is the number one domain registrar worldwide. Now with your domain registration, you get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. Happy birthday <laughs> Okay, this is ridiculous. What a waste of time. MuggleNet. 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 It's a little bit funny. This feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. That is MuggleCast 50! Woo! Sorry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of MuggleCast, episode 50, which means we're halfway through our lifespan. We can only last 100 episodes. <laughs> Did we say that? <laughs> Woo! Well, no, yeah. but... Well, I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, no! Yeah. God, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I'm just, it, it, it's I'm like just knowing kidding. you're gonna die. It's the same exact thing. <laughs> I'm Andrew Sims. MuggleCast. I'm Ben Shane. <laughs> I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. <clears throat> I'm not even going to say my name. That'll do. And, <laughs> and last again, last again, it's... <clears throat> That's it, that'll do. I'm Jamie. Come on, Jamie. I'm going to start being friendly and just saying Jamie. <laughs> and I'm Jamie. Maybe we should start doing that. That's very down-to-earth. What were you going to say, Ben? I was going to say... Um, I can't it's like, lie. It's like, it's like knowing when you're going to die, you know? If you oh. knew you were going to die when you were 75, you would plan things out a lot better. But no one knows when you're going to die, so they... They take all these chances. So, like, if we knew that we were going to stop doing the show at, at episode 100, then we would actually make sure to get everything we wanted to in and know that we have to plan things out more. So, I, I, I say we don't stop at 100. We, like, oh stop at, like, gosh. 188 or something. 50 but shows in. Ben, 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 you're just depressing me. That yeah, was Ben's I'm going to go cry now. That was pretty like, sad. Have a group cry, then we'll, uh... Yeah, group cry. Yeah. <laughs> show's over. Well, hanging around Jamie really changed me these past few weeks, what can I say? It's uh, yeah. Ben's a changed man. He used to, you know, be, be involved in a uh, gang crime and uh, you know, <laughs> carry around four guns. Now he's a man of a uh, god. <laughs> oh god, really is. Before we go anywhere else, Michael Tannenbaum is standing by in the MuggleCast News Center with past week's top Harry Potter news stories for the oh forty sixth time. After six years, author J.K. Rowling arrived on American shores for two nights of charity readings with author Stephen King and John Irving at Radio City Music Hall in New York City to benefit the Haven Foundation and Doctors Without Borders. Academy Award-winning actress Whoopi Goldberg opened up the festivities on both nights, while author J.K. Rowling was introduced on the first evening by comedian John Stewart and on the second evening by actress Kathy Bates. During a question-and-answer session, Rowling told what she thought Hermione would see in the Mirror of Erised, hinted at a possible redemption for a certain Slytherin, explicitly stated that Dumbledore is dead. So... There goes my theory, and uh, sorry, Dumbledore is not dead.com. You should have sold the domain name while it was hot. She also stated that she may have decided to change the title of Book 7 while in the shower Wednesday morning. All three authors read from the same passages both nights, with Joe choosing Chapter 13 of Half-Blood Prince, The Secret Riddle. The event drew roughly 6,000 people each night. Videos, pictures, and a full report from both evenings of Harry, Carrie, and Garp are available over on MuggleNet.com. Our live New York City podcast was a huge success. Thanks to everybody who came out and saw us. Audio and transcript of the show will be available shortly. Thanks to all your nominations in what is being called Wizard Rock the Vote. We're asking Harry Potter fans to get out and vote at the the 2006 Podcast Awards homepage for both MuggleCast and PotterCast. Simply go to PodcastAwards.com and vote for MuggleCast under People's Choice Podcast and PotterCast under Best Entertainment Podcast. 
You can fill out the ballot once every 24 hours. Voting ends August 11th. Speaking of nominations, Nickelodeon Australia has nominated MuggleCast at the 2006 Kids' Choice Awards in their favorite podcast category. Go to nickelodeon.com.au, create a nickname, and vote for all the categories. The podcast category is number 15 on the ballot. Also, Harry Potter's up for Best Book, Goblet of Fire is up for Best Movie, Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint are both up for Favorite Actor, and Emma Watson is up for Favorite Actress. The award ceremony will be held on October 11th. WB has confirmed that the sixth film, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, is set to be released on November 21st, 2008. Steve Clovis will return to write the screenplay for Half-Blood Prince. A director has yet to be chosen. Don't forget the fifth film, Order of the Phoenix, will hit theaters July 13th, 2007. Finally, as we wished author J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter a happy birthday this past week, today, after 50 episodes, we wish a happy birthday to MuggleCast, which is officially one year old. That's all the news for this August 8th, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Alright, thank you, Mike. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, this is episode 50. We are one year old with absolutely zero problems along the entire way. I can hardly believe it. No, no, uh, actually, yeah, yeah. actually you're absolutely right, never. Except maybe the ten or so times Jamie would get online when it was time to record and ask for a three-hour nap and okay. to wake him up at 4 I am not the only one who, who did that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a few announcements, and then we'll move on to listener rebuttals. Do not forget to purchase your MuggleCast t-shirts. Uh, we gave away a lot of Lumos t-shirts back in Vegas, and everyone really enjoyed them, and we're probably going to have some more printed up soon to sell in the store. Um, also, big credit to Sam of SamAndNate.com. They're always helping us with these t-shirts, and they, they're our chief designers, so we thank them very much. And if you guys, if any of you out there listening need uh, t-shirt design or some t-shirts printed, then check out Sam and Nate because they really do a great job on all their work. Also, don't forget to vote for us at Podcast Alley at PodcastAlley.com. We need a new vote from everyone at least once a month to stay in the top ten there. And don't forget a big one, the Podcast Awards, the 2006 Podcast Awards. Voting is now going on. We are nominated in People's Choice. Pottercast is nominated in Best Entertainment. So we need everyone to vote once a day at PodcastAwards.com. By voting for us in People's Choice and Pottercast in Best Entertainment so we can both go to California and have a lot of fun. Right, Ben? Remember, folks, that is MuggleCast in People's Choice and Pottercast in Best Entertainment Podcast. We cannot stress the importance of this. Yes. See, in the past we've seen with charity drives and stuff like that how when the Harry Potter fans unite, they can do great things. So we're asking you all to do it again, but this time with the Podcast Awards. And show, show these people the podcast awards that we're just not some lame Harry Potter talk show that just talks about some children's book. Right. That we're for real. We're a real podcast with a hardcore audience. Yeah, so man. We're for real. It's on you. That was yeah. beautiful, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Listener rebuttals this week. The first one comes from Jonathan, 15 of Vermont. He writes, During episode 49, you debated how many wizards there were in the world. I think it was Andrew who mentioned the World Cup, and that huge Sahari could be 2,000 people. But when I looked through Book 4, I noticed that Mr. Weasley mentioned that the stadium seats 100,000. So there must be at least 100,000 wizards, and probably many more, since it's mentioned several times in the book that it was very difficult to get tickets. Very good point there. That's Yeah, that's just completely... Our argument was completely wrong. That's that's brilliant, yeah. So there has to be over 100,000. Yeah, that's pretty ironic, too, because that's how many listeners we have uh, tuning into MuggleCast every week. Practically. Yeah, times 4 million. Then you've got how many people listen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Jamie. Next rebuttal comes from Melanie of Australia. She has a rebuttal regarding the wizard population as well. She actually quotes uh, the interview between Emerson, Melissa, and J.K. Rowling held last year when Emerson asked her how many wizards there are in the world. Um, and she talks about Hogwarts, and she says, Here's my thing with Hogwarts. Way before I finished Philosopher's Stone, when I was just amassing stuff for seven years, between having the idea and publishing the book, I sat down and I created 40 kids who enter Harry's ear. I'm delighted I did, because it was so useful. I got 40 pretty fleshed-out characters. I never have to stop and invent someone. I know who's in the ear, I know who's in which house, and I know what their percentage is. And I have a few personal details on all of them. So there were 40. I never consciously thought, that's it, that's all 
the people in this year, but that's kind of how it worked out. Then I've been asked a few times how many people, and because numbers are not my strong point, one part of my brain knew 40, and another part of my brain said, oh, about 600 sounds right. So she goes on to say, there will be the odd kid whose parents don't want them to go to Hogwarts, but 600 out of the whole of Britain is tiny. Well, see, I don't really understand what the importance, unless you're nitpicking what the importance and the amount of people there are really is, you know? But we we do nitpick. Right, and, and the reason that I brought this one up is because basically it's saying, Joe's saying that she really has no official number for it. Our last listener battle is from Andrea, age 16, from Pipersville, PA. Uh, she talks about homeschooling and international government. Hi everyone, I had a couple of comments about the issue of homeschooling like you talked about in episode 49. What reason would the wizarding parents have to homeschool their kids? Magical transportation like portkeys make it possible to go anywhere for a school. So if parents, for example the Malfoys, didn't like the school close to them, they could just send their child to a different school. Uh, also, unlike in our world where public schools don't always give a good education or can be considered dangerous, Hogwarts has some of the best witches and wizards as, pro- as professors and many safety measures. Uh, I also have a rebuttal. The Wizarding World does not have at least have some kind of international government. On page 95 of the US hardback edition of Order of the Phoenix, it is mentioned that there is an international confederation of wizards. I love the show. Um, I thought that this is this is very good, but um, we don't know that Hogwarts has you know s- some of the best witches and wizards. Obviously, Dumbledore, you know, and uh, they're all very powerful, but we don't really have anything to compare them to. We've seen Karkaroff and Madame Maxine, but we don't know you know the extent of their ability of their ability and stuff like that. Now, I'm curious, last week when you guys were talking about, like, homeschooling their students, were you talking about primary school, like what would come before Hogwarts? We were talking about, we were talking about homeschooling with, like, for the entire magical education, not, not before Hogwarts. Well, it's kind of like homeschooling people throughout high school. It just doesn't really work. They get a substandard education. <laughs> You're so funny, Ben. Smart, You're you know, so funny. Usually how it works. No. I'm yeah, kidding, this coming from the kid who is in the Kansas public school I'm ki- system. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The only reason I said that stuff is because Laura's homeschooled. He's the only please one in the Kansas public school system. Please don't bombard with emails. I'm sorry. But, I mean, didn't Draco say that his mom didn't want him to go because of the distance? I mean, I don't see why it would be a big deal to homeschool your students. It's not a big deal. We were just trying to figure out how many wizard students there are in the wizarding world. Oh, okay. Sure. We're just not sure if students who go to Hogwarts could have been homeschooled. Well, I, I yeah, don't really agree with that. they still could be homeschooled, couldn't they? It doesn't mean yeah, that... Yeah, sure they could. P- p- you know, people have completely different perceptions, so um, some people could think that Hogwarts is good, but people who don't believe in the education system... Yeah, because might, Joe uh, even said that you know, um, Mrs. Weasley homeschooled all of her kids before they went to Hogwarts. No, but that's earlier. Yeah, but she's why... talking um, kin- kindergarten. Yeah, I know, man? but but if you could do it then, why couldn't you do it for you know well, ages you could, eleven yeah. on up? I, I think, think you, you could. could. It goes back to what we were saying about um, um, l- learning magic being a, a sort of inexact science. So it's more you learning it yourself than being taught it. Because you know um, the teachers. I mean, we haven't seen enough classes, but. They just say, you know, do this, do this, do this. It seems like, well, especially in the practical magical subjects, and then the people, the students try and do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So moving on now, it was a year ago today, at least when we were recording, August 7th, uh, that MuggleCast was released, our very first episode, featuring me, Ben, and Kevin. It was just us three. Uh, and it was a terrible episode. Can you really believe it's been a year? That's... I know. Aww. Oh, jeez, <laughs> I, oh, I, I don't know. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, and it's 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 rough being Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just weird to think that the majority of these listeners have been with us for a year now. We've basically been through everything with them, like holidays and just everything they've been through. And just week after week, it's been we're like we're friends now. We're like a family. But a question for you guys: Did any of you think that? this wasn't going to work, or you were just skeptical of the whole concept, or people just hate it from the start? No, I knew it was going to work right from the beginning. Oh my oh, god, yeah. I, was, I was thinking, uh, no, I, no, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> I wasn't, I, no I actually idea. wasn't skeptical. Well, maybe not so much skeptical, but but just like, unsure of how things would take off, like they really did. I didn't really quite envision the scale yeah. that it reached, but I thought I, it would I be don't pretty think successful, that anybody, just because of how many people come to the I don't the think site. That anybody would actually 
think it would become this popular because I'm not. I'm not saying this to be arrogant, but we have our yeah. own, we have fans now, and you know it's the fans of the fans type thing, which is really kind of neat. Yeah, basically, I didn't expect to be signing things. <laughs> that was that yeah, was the big same. shock. It's like that people hand <laughs> me their Harry Potter books, and I feel like I'm kind of defiling them. I'm like, I didn't write this, but I don't know. It's kind of odd. I, I know. I felt weird writing in people's books, too, because it's the Harry Potter books, and really, it should just be Joe who's signing it. But who would have thought that a year from now, or a year from August 7, 2005, we would have already done three live podcasts, and we'd have these signings afterwards, and we'd be, you know, people would be just really involved in the show. Episode one, though, I'm surprised people caught on to it so quick because I didn't think it went too hot. <laughs> well, I, actually, I hosted that first episode, so I, I was actually pretty impressed with the with how it turned out <laughs> the quality. Actually, I, I never want to listen to that thing ever again. The audio quality was bad. If the content was bad, it was poorly planned. But, hey, you live, you learn. Right, and I, I really wish uh, all episodes of this... Of this show were as easy to produce as that one. I mean, now there's so much more involved. You know, we have we have five co-hosts a week now, and our schedules are more conflicting than than ever before. And it's just you know, there's a lot of pressure on the show. But that that first episode, it's so hard to get over your first episode, get past your first episode, because people don't know your personality, they don't know what the show's going to be like. But once you get past that first show, it's so easy to connect with the listeners. Yeah. It's scary. Any, any podcaster would know. It's, really nervous. Yeah, it's difficult at first. But something else I'd like to point out is, I really, I really do it. Like sometimes people make me out to be this grumpy old man, and I really am not. I really enjoy when all of the fans come out and see us at these live. You're a grumpy, you know, a grumpy young, young man. But anyways, I really enjoy <laughs> when all the fans come out to see us at these live events. It really makes you feel. It really makes us feel like we've. You know, even if it's in some minor way, change some people's lives to some extent, you know. And so if you get the chance, if you're in the area of any of these live podcasts we're doing, please come out and see us because we enjoy meeting you. I'm sure you enjoy meeting us. And it's nice to just be able to mingle with the fans. Right. I mean, I've said this before. There's nothing better than the support from the listeners. I mean, the emails are great and we love reading them, but there's something more to actually meeting the people and giving them hugs and talking with them and interacting with these people who, you know, they're always listening to us, but we never really get a chance to hear from them. What I really, like I said before, what I really enjoy is just this whole Harry Potter stuff is meeting all of the lovely people. Right, Jamie? Isn't that the best part? Because when you go to the, when you, it's the best part when you of go to it, these yeah. events, I love is, meeting it. You know, we get to hang out with each other for a week, which is, which, you know, it has its ups and downs, you know, hanging out to Andrew can get, be a bit rough. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, especially when you steal my bed. Going to meet all these fans, you know, you meet people from all different walks of life. For example, at both Vegas and New York City, there was a young lady from Australia, and she, she was really, really nice, and it was just, it was great. And Jamie, your first experience with me and the fans was, um... There in Vegas when at uh, the Scholastic Podcast with Emerson Wilson and Cheryl Klein. I know. I couldn't believe it. I sort of um, – somebody handed me a book and I uh, turned around and, you know, in case there was a celebrity standing behind me and yeah. they were trying to get a book to them <laughs> instead. Did you guys get anyone asking you for autographs at Radio City Music Yeah, Hall? I got quite a few people actually. Yeah. Yeah. As, as we were walking away there, people were asking Weird. for pictures. And, it was and, cool. You though. know, it sort of makes you feel like a phony because you don't – like, we don't really think that we're actual celebrities. Well, but especially since we were there in the same building J. as, J. you Rowling. know, J.K. Rowling, Stephen <laughs> King, and John Irving, yeah. and I'm like, why are exactly. you asking me? But see, the people who don't know anything about Harry Potter walk by, and like, who are those bozos? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm Ben Shane, people. You, you, you don't know who I am. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a funny story about that from the, from the New York podcast when we, uh, when me, Emerson, Jamie went to the, uh, Really the uh, the, uh, the uh, bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> and inside joke, people. And um, we went to the bathroom, and we come out. There were two girls, and they ask to uh, take a picture with us, so we say okay. And they get this random guy who's reading the book standing there to take a picture of us with them. And he's like, I don't know who these three guys are, but I want a picture with them, too, once you're done. <laughs> so we take the picture with the girls, and then we take the picture with the random guy. Yeah. <laughs> So we asked him. We asked him 
what his eBay username was because it's clearly going on yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> for $4 million. So to sum up the past few weeks, even though for the regular listeners who didn't come out get to come out to see us, I hope you enjoyed the live stream we did for Lumos and the recordings of the live podcast we put up. It's a lot more interactive if you're actually there, and next time try to come out, but we're back to our regular, the regular swing of things here for at least a few months. And, yeah, it just the last few weeks have been great fun. Can you put it in the words? Now, Jamie, this was a special trip yeah. for you because, of course, you came all the way from the U.K., and this was your first time in the U.S. since, when was it again? 2001. But, um, yeah, I went to Orlando, though, which was completely different. Completely different. Yeah. And um, while you're here, you were introduced to, as we talk about on the Live New York City podcast, a new song. Hmm. <laughs> well, you, yeah. You should sing this because this is a very important song to you. It goes a little something like this. Do I actually have to sing to it? I, I can't really. I'll uh, wake everyone up and they'll kill me. Just play the, uh, play the uh, recording you got in. Um, Okay, yeah, we'll do that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Need you by but, but my I mean, side. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a story behind this, as I uh, said on the. I'll play it in the background while we. Uh, I was gonna say there's a, there's a story behind this, as I said on the uh, New York podcast. We were sitting in Vegas by the pool at the Aladdin Hotel on the Strip. We were all, you know, sunbathing, enjoying ourselves, and suddenly this song came uh, blasting through the speakers, which they positioned all around the pool. And I, uh, I hadn't heard the song before, and I thought it was absolutely awesome. Even though the lyrics are, you know, the cheesiest lyrics you could ever hear in your life, it's still such a good song. So um, I, uh, I asked Andrew who sang it. He told me, and then it, immediately I rushed upstairs onto his uh, laptop and I downloaded it uh, through iTunes for about ninety-nine pence or something like that. But it was worth every single penny. You actually paid for it? No, of course I didn't. But I'm not going to say I downloaded it through acquisition, <laughs> am I? Anyway, yeah. Too so late now. Um, best, best, jeez, uh, ninety nine cents or whatever I've ever spent. So after I done that, I put it onto my MP3 player, and I plugged my headphones in, turned it up to the maximum volume, jumped onto our very nice bed. Uh, well, the bed isn't very nice now, but I, uh, I jumped onto it and uh, turned it right up and sang, well, screamed the lyrics as loud as I could. Uh, and this was repeated several times throughout the entire holiday to to uh, this song. Um, and my throat hurt so much by, by the end of it, but it was uh, it was completely worth it. But I've got to point out that it really was screaming it. Uh, it sounded absolutely terrible. And Andrew, I think you have a snippet of it, don't you? Yeah, it's very, very, very small, but um, we have more clips okay. that will also play at the end. I can't let you go! Want you in my life! That's all I had a chance to record, but um, I have we have two more songs that uh, will stick at the end that he's saying that are really, really funny. Well, there's actually another song that made its rounds while Jamie was jumping up and down on the couch. There is. Right, Jamie? <laughs> yeah, this uh, this trip was a uh, trip of songs. We um, In Vegas, we, were, we went for a stroll down the strip to the Bellagio Hotel, where we stood by the fountains, which are featured in the movie Ocean's Eleven. And uh, what happens is... Every 15 minutes, the fountains come on and they perform their water show thing to a different song each time. And we happened to get there when the song was I'm Proud to Be an American or God Bless the USA by Lee Greenwood. And it was brilliant. All of us were in floods of tears. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were comforting each other. It was the biggest display of manly love I have ever seen. We were all hugging and, you know, and... Uh, and um, so I heard this song and I felt strangely patriotic even though I'm British. So um, we went... Back to Andrew's house, and uh, I uh, downloaded back the, the song on the MP3 player. Downloaded it. Yeah. Huh? We, left. <laughs> we went to the hotel. Yeah, I was saying, we, we, we didn't leave Vegas. You what said did we I went say? went back to Andrew's house. Yeah, we left, we left Vegas. Oh, flew back to Andrew's and downloaded the song. <laughs> okay, flew back. Flew back to Vegas. <laughs> yes. We're that rich, we can uh, just go back to Andrew's house and download a song. No, sorry. Went back to the hotel. I downloaded it. And again, this was followed by jumping up and down on the bed. And every time... Well, I did it. It brought a tear to my eye because uh, I just felt American. so patriotic to, uh, yeah, to America. So now I think for for each time I sung that song, it sort of added five percent to American to me. So I'm sort of uh, I'm slowly getting there, slowly getting there. In a in a couple of years, you know, I could have lost my Britishness completely and turned American. So yeah, those were the two best songs of the trip. Actually, I, I had God bless the USA. Songs, we'll get to those later. Well, no, Ben, Ben, you got into oh, no. uh, Elton John. <laughs> Regrettably for the rest of us. That's because I actually was walking down the strip, and 
the, the, the water show was going on on the, on the other side of the street, and I heard Elton John's Your Song. I just heard, I hope you don't mind. And I just, I went back and <laughs> downloaded it and stuff. Laura, do you have any fun stories from Lumos to tell us about? Maybe some some musical adventures that you experienced yourself? No, you know, all I got the whole time there was Ben berating me for my Green Day yeah. obsession, so <laughs> I have nothing to say. Uh, I there she was, to say to you, just walking down the strip, singing God Bless the USA. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best song. So we all have our favorite moments from the past 49 episodes of MuggleCast that we would like to play for everyone now. So first, we'll start off with Ben's favorite moment. You know, unless you well, that way, we then. should talk about okay. how Emma, how Hermione is portray- portrayed in mm-hmm. the films, because very, some, very, some people take it the wrong way, see it badly, poorly. Ben thinks, okay. Ben thinks that she's we'll portrayed that very, 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 very well. Don't you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. He has dreams at night. He has dreams at night of like, like running through a cornfield and, and they're chasing each other and their arms are about to... <laughs> and, and oh, come on. You, you can hear, like, chariots of fire going... Dun, 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 dun. Okay, and enough, enough embarrassing bum, bum, me. Bum, bum, okay, bum. about Hermione. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Bill. Oh, I remember memories. that. My voice sounds like I've been smoking for the past ten years. All right, now we have Laura's two favorite moments. And I'm not a scientist or anything, but isn't there a relation between Potter <laughs> and a weasel somewhere along the line. Is there? Oh, it would oh make sense. Oh my god, that's amazing. Oh my god. Oh my god, Micah, Micah Tonnenbaum has discovered the, Micah, the key that's to the awesome. Harry Potter shipping series. <laughs> you, guys, you guys see this? Fans, <laughs> so send, send, send a letter to the P.O. box. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the call. Fan mail. No. Give us a call. Oh my god. 21820 magic. No, seriously though, he's no. He makes a good that's point. A that point. is true. That is true. And now I'm gonna have that's to look really that cool. up. Let me look. I'm gonna do Google image searches and compare. Can we have? Can we have ten <laughs> seconds of silence to appreciate that amazing revelation? Uh huh. Nobody Google image search weasel. I'm sorry I mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm doing it right now, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, now number two. The Actually, Ben, Ben, you. this is a perfect uh, moment for this. I've been meaning to ask you this for a uh, for a while now. I'm afraid I can't get down on one knee, but um, Ben, yeah, <laughs> ben, 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 Carlo Shay, <laughs> Carlo, will you, will, will you marry me? Can I be the flower girl? Of course, Jamie. Oh course. yes, yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. Can I be the best uh, man? Eric, you aren't doing the speech. Eric, you are not doing this speech. <laughs> yeah. Is it just me, or... I, I've forgotten half the stuff we say on these shows. I know. I know. Yeah, Actually, me too. I've forgotten 98% of the stuff we say on these shows. Yeah. I hate I just hate listening to them because I hate hearing my own voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same I'm the same way. I, I don't to listen it. to any of the shows. Same. I feel like such a bad person. We'll play the favorite moments from myself and Eric in a little bit. And by the way, Eric dropped out because he was at a Barnes & Noble using wireless internet, but then it broke down on him, and he's going back to his house where power is now restored. He had lost power earlier today. But Laura, um, you're going to tell us a little bit now about some bad moments that we've had recording MuggleCast, because every once in a while we do run into a hiccup. <laughs> well, actually, I was kind of hoping Eric would be here to recount those, because I don't remember yeah, them very well. But there was there was episode 46, which I'm sure we all remember very well. Oh my this God. was our attempt to record our first live <laughs> show over the internet, and... Um, well, Andrew, you you had a very good description of what it sounded like whenever we went into that room, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? What had happened was we were using Skypecast to uh, do this live show because we thought, oh, it's Skype, there couldn't be any problems. It's, you know, we use them every day to record and talk to each other. So we created a Skypecast, and you can fit up to 100 people in a room. And for some reason, because we had two rooms open or something, um, whenever we tried to talk to each other, just us co-hosts, um, there was this huge w- noise that sounded like wind, and it almost sounded like a hurricane. But Andrew, or... can I interrupt very quickly and just yeah. point out one glaring error in the uh, name you just gave? Oh, what? It wasn't Skypecast. It was Skypecast Beta. Oh, that uh, does explain yes. a lot. very important <laughs> in this story. It does. I think it's very prominent yeah. in the story yes. you're about to tell. It does explain a lot. So, 
uh, we just heard this giant hurricane wind-like noise, and we all had to yell over top of each other because not over top of each other, over top of the, <laughs> this gigantic noise that we heard. It was so funny, and we were all in tears at, from laughter. It was that was so funny. It that was really so did. funny. <laughs> it really was. It got to the point where we were just dying laughing, and it, I don't even know what was so funny about it, but. <laughs> funniest thing that we've ever done but it was also a pretty bad experience because we kind of screwed all the people who were uh hoping to listen to us record the show live now another bad experience we had was episode 13 which was our halloween episode it was timed nicely because it was unlucky 13 um but it was also a very unlucky episode for recording uh right laura i think we recorded that one twice didn't we i think I think we recorded it twice and then we had to record it again because I think Eric's computer was messing up and I don't even remember if Jamie was on. Ben probably wanted to go to sleep. I was probably yelling at everybody to shut up. Well, actually, I hadn't been on for three episodes and finally I was like, yes, I'm finally back on the show again. And I come on the show and we record that we record an episode. I think it's fine. And then I, I go, I probably left to go get some food or something and I come back three hours later. I'm a big eater, you know. I come back three hours later, and Andrew tells me, "Hey, we record. We re-recorded the show while you were gone." He he he. Thanks for calling me. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember so why I didn't call you. I don't even remember why we decided we needed to re-record it. It was just, I think we decided it wasn't a good show. It was bad so and that's rushed. That's the lost episode. Every once in a while, we'll hit a show where we just can't well, get through Every it. once in a while, we'll lay here on Skype for four hours trying to start, and then finally we'll just be like, let's do it tomorrow. Yeah, if by, if by every once in a while you mean almost yeah. every week, then yes. <laughs> it's too bad Eric's not here right now because he could tell us uh, all those horrific stories of how he's lost his audio file quite a few times. Guys, yes. guys, 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 my audacity crashed. Guys, it's <laughs> the number one thing we hear from him. <laughs> All right, now here is Eric's favorite moment. Of course, it's a moment uh, of his. Okay, no. so no, okay, Be quiet, Micah. All right, so now you think Tootsie Rolls? Everybody I say so much. No, everybody knows what 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 Tootsie Roll is. Everybody's had a Tootsie Roll, you know. And if they haven't, they're going to have a Tootsie Roll. So. I'm thinking – I'm sitting here looking at this this whole tube of what used to be Tootsie Rolls. I actually ate them all, and I'm thinking, who manufactured these? Nobody knows. Nobody knows what company owns Tootsie Roll unless you work for that company. I'm thinking, but they sold millions. I mean how many Tootsie Rolls have you sold or have you bought in your life? That's a lot of Tootsie Rolls. So, <laughs> so, so your, No, the point – So what's your So point? the point is, Andrew and Micah and Laura and viewers at home, that you don't know who manufactures Tootsie Rolls, yet you buy them. Anyway, and, and, and in the case of MogoCast t-shirts, you know who manufactures them. You know that you're going to get your money's worth from MogoCast. You know exactly who that money is going to and why it's going to them. And you can support the show by buying this, just like you support Tootsie Roll manufacturers, like the CEO of Tootsie Roll. The CEO of Tootsie is sitting there on a desk chair, and he's not doing anything for Harry Potter fans, but we are. And that's why you should buy a MuggleCast t-shirt. Wow, that was inspiring. Long, lengthy, and, and inspiring. Hey, hey, Andrew. Yeah, we Andrew. really Full appreciate it. roll plugs. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I found funny about that is, is that um, is that all of us picked somebody else's comment, so we didn't seem arrogant. But Eric's favorite <laughs> bit, <laughs> yeah. Eric's favorite bit, just happens to be a half an hour monologue by but himself. Still, How I actually, I've given Eric a lot of crap back in the day. Actually, every day, and back in the day, <laughs> <laughs> not even close. And uh, I just thought that that was, I was actually that was, that was pretty funny, and the, his little spiel there. All right, now here's my favorite moment, uh, which is mainly for the comment that Laura makes later in this audio clip. But think about the situation. Uh, Lily was born among two mudblood, or she's muggle-born. Oh, well oh, 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 so muggle-born, Andrew. Jeez. Yeah. Muggle-born. Wait, God, you're so prejudiced. Jeez. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, oh, I see. You guys are trying to be courteous. Oh, what did you say, Andrew? Dorks. What did you say? I missed it. I said mud blood. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> these dorks are like crazy. Don't say that. Bloods. They're both worth Baltimore, nothing Baltimore. anyway. Hey, <laughs> you guys are such a dork. Shut up! You work for the site too. I thought I was actually using the. 
I thought I was using the wrong term. You made me feel all stupid. <laughs> Did you use a- You should have felt to stupid. To me, that Andrew. sounded like you arbitrarily chose kidding. 10 seconds of a random show. I did. You called it your favorite moment. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a funny clip. No, actually, I've seen I've seen people with that whole thing quoted in their profile over at the forums. So apparently, oh really? Yeah, apparently people find it funny. Ah, cool. Well, here is Jamie's favorite moment now. Hey everybody, welcome to MuggleCast episode thirty-two, coming to you live from Andrews, Kansas. I'm Ben Shane. Sam is Andrew. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. We got a full house here this week, people. We have Aaron, Eric, Andrew, Me Kevin, too. Jamie, Laura. Jeez. Yeah, this is great. I'm I love this. Can, some, can somebody no. heist the schedule? Why do you keep asking? Give me the schedule. I, I want the schedule. Okay, okay, Jamie. I gave you the schedule 30 minutes ago. Go into the right lead. Dude, go into the right lead and get the schedule. Hey, hey, Ben. Uh, I forgot <laughs> to do the news this week. Uh, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> Micah. Um, uh, Micah, can you stop asking Andrew, what are we going to do about him? I don't... Uh, hey, I don't know. hey! Laura. Don't be so mean to Micah. Micah is a good person. I am backwards compatible with Windows 3.1. <laughs> no, okay, the jig, up. XP the jig is up. Windows XP 3.1 doesn't exist. Oh, quiet down, Laura. I used to what have Windows 3.1. What are you Windows talking 3. about? Okay. <laughs> Laura, okay, whatever. O- okay, <laughs> okay, it. okay, guys. Way to go, Andrew. You made me sound slow. Thank you. <laughs> that was my best portrayal of uh, you. You're such a good Laura impersonator. I think you should... That should become your profession. Well, thank you. That was definitely a good opening. I thought that was funny. That was funny, funny, <laughs> funny, funny. Ben, you kind of sounded like you were getting annoyed at the end of that, though, with us doing the impersonations. <laughs> I'm talking about the... I'm Kevin Steck. All right. Well, that concludes our episode 50 talk. We'll discuss a little bit later. In the show, just a little bit more. But for now, of course, there was a big event this week. An evening with Harry, Carey, and Garp featuring J.K. Rowling, of course. What do you guys think of it? It was a huge event. We all went. What's up, Laura? Well, what did what did you guys think of Stephen King? He was awesome. I, I thought it was absolutely awesome to see him. I mean... Lard-ass Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, what do you think of Stephen King? Um, well, I read it. I, I think I read it a very read long what? time ago. Or I saw the film, and I thought it What's was. The, you read it. what? Stephen King's it. You know? The book you read. I, I know. I'm, mess, I'm messing with him. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I read that a while ago, and I thought it was absolutely awesome. And I, uh, I think it's interesting because everyone thinks of him as sort of you know a, a weird you know horror writer who comes up with these disgusting stories, but he's really really normal. And he explained how how he comes up with these stories in uh, very practical, logical ways. So I think it was it was really, really interesting to hear that. Uh, yeah, I thought it was fun. I thought John Irving told an extremely good story, and um, as Eric said, he answered his questions very well. But Joe just stole the night, obviously. But it was an awesome, it was an absolutely awesome event. I thought it was really, really, really good and fun, and I'm so glad I went to it. Yeah, me too. And Stephen King's entry was also uh, his his big entrance was also pretty cool because. Uh, it kind of reminded me of. Um, I feel like an idiot saying this, and I know Ben Ben knows what I'm thinking. Because he looked like Bono from U2 coming out to City of Blinding Lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it the it was very U2ish. There was like these six lights pointing out onto the uh, towards the audience, and he walked out, and you can only see a silhouette, <laughs> and it was it was just kind of cool. And then the lights came up and stuff. I just thought that was neat. And it's a shame J.K. Rowling didn't come out that same way. She just walked out. Although, I mean, you know, she still had a big entrance with the applause. Joe doesn't oh, come need on. an entrance. She doesn't need an entrance. Well, that's what I'm saying. She still got, like, a standing... She, she had the biggest applause. You know that. Right, right. Definitely. And it was funny because, like, <clears throat> we mentioned this on the Live NYC podcast, too, but um, every time her face came up on the intro video, it was huge <laughs> applause. <Everyone> freaked out, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, another big surprise for... Uh, almost everyone in that audience was when John Stewart came out to introduce Joe on that first night. That was really exciting. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I got Andrew, very Andrew, excited. Literally. Poor Micah. He Andrew, was sitting I, next to me, and I screamed when I saw John Stewart come out, and I felt I him kind of. I've seen Andrew look so excited. <laughs> Micah did. Micah Andrew, looks you like looked John so Stewart. excited when that happened. Yeah, it was a big surprise, and you know, I was just watching him on TV. It's the first time I actually saw him in person, so it was pretty cool. Ben, would you care to explain for our listening audience, for those who weren't at the event, could you tell everyone uh, the order of the events? It started off with Whoopi Goldberg doing an introduction that was written – it was written for her by – I don't remember who wrote it for her. It was probably Scholastic. 
and the intro, like she was, she was reading it, sort of fell apart. So she had to improvise a bit, but she did a really nice job. She was really funny, and then she called out Kathy Bates, who came out and started talking about her personal connection to Stephen King, all these types of things, and then she introduced him. Stephen King came out and read read a, a section of a story he wrote called The Body, and it was The Legend of Lardass Hogan, which has a lot of throwing up in it. It's it's a very funny story, but it also can make you sick <laughs> to your stomach if you're if you're not feeling too well. And then I forget the name of the guy who came out to after Stephen King introduced John Irving. Do you guys remember? Um, yeah, it was a different guy both nights. The first I'm talking about the first Wasn't night. It? I'm not sure, but whoever it was, he wasn't very uh, interesting. Yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, the guy came out and introduced John Irving. John Irving read, Jesus, uh, I forget. The, a prayer for Owen. Me. Yeah, a prayer for Owen. Me. That was that was very good. He uh, he was he was probably the best performer mm-hmm. overall because Steve, I think Stephen King was the best storyteller because he was able to like keep your attention. I thought because even though I was really tired, I was awake for most of his. His reading, but John Irving. What, what really impressed me about him is that he had a great ability to set his characters apart and do a lot of really good different voices. And I think that's why, for example, Andrew's little brother was really entertained because he was doing a different voice for each character. He was able to do a high pitched female voice very, very well. And overall, he was very entertaining. Yeah, it it was interesting because my brother, who's only ten years old. Um, he was actually very entertained by John Irving's reading. It was for that exact reason that Ben brought up, because he can do a lot of different voices. Um, and he really enjoyed that story because, you know, all the, the nastiness that was involved with it. So, But the reason 90% of the people were there was was to see J.K. Rowling. Right, and J.K. Rowling did have two special question-and-answer sessions, one each night. Uh, the first night was a little bit of a disappointment. We didn't really learn anything new. Other than uh, what Hermione would see in the mirror of Erised, which of course would be Harry and Ron alive. The questions the second night were definitely more deep, I would say. Yeah, definitely what what the hardcore fan would want to hear. One thing, one big thing she answered was that Dumbledore is actually for reals dead. Yes. So now, which which of us here on the Dumbledore show? Thought, thinks that Dumbledore is still alive. Was that you, and Andrew? Andrew. Uh, no, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Whoever edited that show must have made it sound like I <laughs> thought Dumbledore was actually alive, which is just silly. I don't know. Who would have done such a thing? So, I have a question. Um, I went to DumbledoreIsNotDead.com after this, and you might want to cut this because it might sound like I'm being mean, and I'm really not, but... Well, on their site, they're saying we never – something along the lines of, like, we never said that he was absolutely dead or something along those lines. And I'm like, well, your URL is DumbledoreIsNotDead.com. They went into a huge uh, stage of denial uh, when they first found out, and they made this post on the site, and they were like, but but she's probably just fooling with us. She can't be for real. This She wouldn't do it this early before book seven, blah, blah, blah. Those Those – those fans are, you know, I don't see what they're complaining about. They got what, what any fan could ask for, which is personal recognition by JKR. Yeah. She stopped everything and said, and there's a really, there's a website, DumbledoreIsNotDead.com, that will be very upset with me for saying this. You know, she plugged them in front of 6,000 people. and yeah, and because she felt sorry for them. That's because she felt sorry for them, that she was completely destroying yes, their heritage. That's, that's how you show you affect, you, you know, the author of, of your books, even in such a minuscule way that she sees about your website. But, you know, that that was just, okay, that was touching. We also found out from Joe that she's working on a young children's book, which actually we we already knew, but she said it's about halfway written. And um, she'll release it after the Potter series is over with. Uh, she also brought up librarians, which was pretty funny. And she said that the reason librarians in Hogwarts are so mean is so that uh, students in the school will actually have to do the research themselves. And her perfect example was Hermione, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, she actually apologized to that one woman because she was oh, a librarian. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I could see how and that would be kind of awkward. She said, uh, please don't dislike me. I love librarians. Uh, the thing is, the answer is always in a book, but if we had good librarians, Hermione would never have to search and find it. Yeah. 
That was pretty funny. We also found out that she was ready to change the title of book seven uh, when she was taking a shower before the second reading, which was kind of funny. We found that out night two. So what happened was when we went there night one, she had, you know, a 98% certain title for book seven in her head. And night two, she had a completely different... Ninety, you know, different, different set title. Yeah, at least we know now that she was think she's been thinking about the book even while she's on a vacation here in the states. Uh, but she's not going to use that title. I thought she said it was too late or something. No, she said that she said that she was kind of on the fence about it, but she thought that the newer one was better. Something along those lines. But do you guys do you guys think this bodes well for a summer of seven release? No, never in a million years. I will eat fifty more sausages if. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> released in I'll be right there with you, Jamie. Thank you, because there is no way it's going to be released in summer of two thousand and seven. It's Ava already. I really don't D. think so. Of course, I it really won't. I don't think it, it, it will. Be ridiculous. She can't write that that much in a you know that short amount of time. As I've said to Ben in previous in a previous episode, she can't just pull it out of her rear end. She's got to write it. And book seven, you know, it's the concluding part of her entire septology. She can't just... So she, she has to think about every loose end. She, she, she has to leave no stone unturned. She has to make sure it's absolutely 100% finished finished before she she gets it out. It's, why would she try and get it out then when all the hype of, of the, the movies is around? And we shouldn't really get into this again, but... Right, and the first night, the first re- night of the reading, she said that she had written a good portion of book seven but she still felt like she had a lot left to write and and it's important yes. to, yeah. and it's <laughs> important to remember that that she has to submit the manuscript to the publishers the publishers have to do their editing which is what hot cheryl does and they have yeah, they have to cheryl pass Klein. around the manuscript doing all their editing and then they have to compare the british version the american version and make sure everything is uh like the integrity is preserved between each of them and so i just I, I wanted it in summer 2007, but now I'm pretty sure we're, gonna, we're looking happen. at 2008. Yeah, too. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's pretty safe to assume. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to assume that if we haven't heard anything by Christmas, like we did for Half Blood Prince, then yeah, we probably won't have a book. Next right, and with Half Blood Prince, we had the title a year before the release. We had the title about right yeah. now, and so if if we get the title within the next two months, then maybe. But I just I don't want people to get their hopes up because you know she said that she she said in her in her interview with Emerson and Melissa last summer that she was hoping to have the book written and release it in summer two thousand seven, but you know I'd rather have her take her time and have it be really good rather than have her Same. rush it and try to make it for the fans, you know. But what is with this? I mean, she's making it sound like that she's still got a long way to go, but then well, we've no, got what? representatives from Scholastic predicting Summer 07. Yeah, I know. That's, what, that's what's said, confusing me. Well, what she actually said at the podcast was not that she w- had gotten... She was at our podcast? I'm Sorry, at the live... Yes, she was, but she was wearing a black... She was sitting with the staff, Andrew. <laughs> on the floor. Anyway, um... What she actually said at the uh, reading was that she had written, you know, she'd gotten quite a far way into book seven, but she felt that she hadn't answered questions, it, it, you know, answered a lot, great deal of questions. It wasn't that she felt she had a great deal long to, more to go. She just said that a lot of the big questions still haven't been answered, and that was what upset me. But it, she didn't say anything about how much she's actually going to answer in, in book seven. So book seven could be very close to being ended, you know, very close to being finished, which is what threw me off. But she said, I'm a great deal into it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty far in, but I don't, I really don't feel like I've answered a lot of the major questions. And she kind of shrugged it off like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the simple, the simple fact that Warner Brothers chose summer 2007 for the movie really does, which well, was a really stupid doesn't idea. bode well for her getting, having the book done on, having the book done by then. And so I just I, – I would love to have it be next summer, but with a movie, next summer is going to be busy enough. So, I, yeah. I mean – Oh, if the book came out next summer, our whole summer yeah, be, would be very It probably will end up being that way anyways, but I just think, I just yeah. think that <laughs> I might get a little bit burnt out because I, I, it'd be, it would be so much fun. But I'd rather have it be drawn out more and have something to look forward to rather than have it yeah, all. I think so too. All at once. Yeah. Not to mention Joe's on a vacation now up in the Hamptons, so um, I doubt she's getting much writing in uh, during her little vacation. 
Well, you, you don't know how much writing she's doing. On vacation? <laughs> we'll see. No, no, writers, no, no, writers. Well, no, why that's not, not if right, something comes to her. Okay, writers need, and they well, need inspiration. Yeah, they need her, inspiration. But... So it doesn't matter if it's 3 a.m. in the morning and she just got done breastfeeding her latest born. She's she's going <laughs> to pause to go write a chapter. Mackenzie. So. Father Mackenzie. No, it's not that. If, if something came to her, then I'm sure she'd jot it down. But I don't think she's going to say... Okay, Neil and everybody, I'm going to sit down for three hours today while we're on vacation, and I am going to write. I just don't see that happening. I think that um, since she hasn't been here in six years, if she's here on vacation, she's probably here having fun with her family. And I completely support that. And anyways, it's just two weeks. It's not... Yeah, Laura makes a good point, though. Good point, Laura. Now, Salman Rushdie, who is a famous author, came up with his son and proposed to Joe a Snape good or bad theory. And, uh, Eric, you got the gist of it. Most of us didn't. So the guy at the the reading went up to her, and this was the question that she answered the Dumbledore uh, is is truly dead thing to. But he talked about Snape. He went through – it it was him and his son, and they went up to JKR, and they said something about how they feel that Snape is a good guy – and that he, him and Dumbledore planned Dumbledore's, you know, attack and death and all that stuff. Um, but as a result, since Snape is good, that means Dumbledore isn't really dead. And he went through this elaborate thing about how Snape and Dumbledore could, you know, play off each other and how Snape was really working for Dumbledore against Voldemort and tricking him and stuff. And then he, he said, well, just because Snape is good, that means Dumbledore isn't dead. And Joe just said, uh, well, unfortunately, Dumbledore, Dumbledore's dead. And then that's that's all she said. She didn't even touch the Snape thing. It wasn't even it wasn't even like a, a fleeting moment where she was no. going. She just completely didn't say anything at all. So. Yeah, she said your opinion on Snape is correct. Oh. But that's what I thought was interesting that she used opinion. Like she didn't just come out and say you're right about Snape. She said your opinion on Snape is correct. So it just I don't know if she was trying to throw us off or something. It just seemed weird to me that she did that. I think that was just uh, the safest way to her of answering it without giving anything away. Okay, I have a question. What did, what was the way that Joe worded it when she got asked about the five people she would get asked, she would ask from Hogwarts or whatever to come to dinner with her? What, what is what, what did she say that led people to believe that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are going to live through the series? What happened was Soledad O'Brien asked each author to name five characters from their book that they would take to dinner. And uh, when it was Joe's turn, Joe said Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and then she paused to think about it. She put uh, her her head in her face, and she was like, ah, I can't. Like, she gave the idea that, you know, she was having a hard time coming up with the five. And then people started uh, yelling out characters from the audience. Um, but then that's when Joe said, yeah, but I'm the only one who knows who lives through book seven. And that was when everyone realized that she was trying to name people who who lived through the series. So that's what gave away Harry, Ron, and Hermione do live. And then she, and then someone was like, well, if it could be any character. And then Joe said, okay, then Dumbledore and Hagrid too. So Well, it's not like it matters because Emerson pretty much confirmed okay, everybody no, no, that's at the not live true. show. That, he didn't, no, well, okay, if she it, said that they're all going to live through the end, okay, I, then... That was, yeah, that was so long ago. Things could have changed a million times by then. And she... It was, it was that was back but, when right now J.K. Rowling's harder to meet than the president of the United States. That was back when she was still doing these smaller bookstore tours, and uh, I, I honestly, I said this at both live podcasts. If all three of those, if if the trio of every one of them makes it through the series, I just don't feel that it's actually realistic because Joe, I, I think she's going to have to give one of them the axe because as she said before that. She, they don't go after the extras. You know, she does not target the extras. She goes after the ones who are closest to the main character. And the only way that she can actually do that is by nailing one of the three. And I just don't see how it's realistic for us to expect all three of them to make it through. And I just don't want to end up, oh, everything's so happily ever after. The, the trio went on and got married, blah, blah, blah. I think I think you can interpret what she said that night differently. No, I'm telling you, you should listen to the recording if we can find one. Well then, what's the point of even? What's the point of even reading books? Seven? <laughs> you know, Harry's gonna live. See what happens to Hagrid. Or just throw him to the get out the, now. the details, the in between. Yeah, but just because I don't know, just because they all live doesn't mean everything's gonna be hunky dory. I mean, 
what if something just terribly awful goes on and Harry ends up separating himself from Ron and Hermione forever? I mean, what if he just goes and, you know, holes up somewhere and becomes a hermit? Who knows? Just because they all live does not mean it's going to be a happy ending. Not at all. And the crap they go through, I mean, my God, we might be begging for something happy. I I know uh, some of us were reading book five and begging for Harry not to be such a a pissant, you know, about everything. Yeah. And, you know, on those lines, something so terrible might happen that we might be begging for one of them to die to just stop being miserable. I mean, who knows what's going to happen to them? It's a war. And I think that, like Dumbledore said, there are worse things than death. So Yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. I'm with him. That's a good point. Well, and she knows, you, you know, also, um, didn't she say something like Dumbledore wouldn't pull a Gandalf, but any yes. other... Well, she said that, but also she said, she kind of hinted that he might still be able to affect Harry or something he he does might be, like, to guide Harry, like maybe a portrait, something like that, because, because I think someone asked her that question, and she just said, well, he's not, you know, I, you couldn't expect him to pull a Gandalf. You know, I felt so vindicated when I heard that because the first night after the reading, I'm walking out of Radio City Music Hall and there is this guy and he's just going insane and telling everyone around him that Dumbledore is alive because Dumbledore made a horcrux. And this guy turns to me and he's yelling at me to go to DumbledoreIsNotDead.com. And he's like, Dumbledore made a horcrux. And I'm like, no, he didn't. And he said, yes, he did. And I'm like, Dumbledore does not have the type of malice that a person would need to have to want to create a horcrux. Because even if he did kill somebody, he's not going to split his soul because that would make it impure. And this guy's like in my face yelling at me. And I just felt so, I, I just, I threw my arms in the air. I was like, yes. And Jess, you know, who's the Dumbledore hater, she was beside me, and she's just freaking out, and she's all happy. So it was a wonderful moment. It was probably the guy from DumbledoreIsNotDead.com. <laughs> I'm going to think of a way to uh, twist and contort what Joe said that night. <laughs> Distort. Into what? Okay, I have no idea why, but I just spit soda, like, everywhere. No, I'm, I'm going to find a way to prove to you that there's still room to kill... Ron Hermione. I'm telling you, man, listen to that audio, and you will be very convinced uh, that they are going to die, because it definitely came off as a slip-up. No, okay, she's she's very and deceptive. You know she's very deceptive. She's very she's very tricky. There's So I wouldn't put it past her. Yeah, but you could tell she didn't do it on purpose. Well, I'll show it to you later. But later that night, too, there was, like, one of the final questions she was asked was so... Big. It was one she absolutely had to ignore, and she said, you guys should feel happy. I gave you Harry Hermione, you know, I gave you Dumbledore, I gave you Petunia. She was listing all these things that she thought we clearly were given by her. And so, I, you know, I don't think that that's still a question. And, and the thing she said about Petunia was that there's, quote, more to her than meets the eye, which makes it seem like she's a witch to me, but I guess that could be interpreted. No, didn't she debunk that? Maybe somewhere, but she said there's there's someone asked her about uh, Petunia. Oh yeah, will Petunia uh, be sad that Harry's last time on Privet Drive is this summer or something? It was like that question, and she answered it kind of like that. Well, guys, um, something I like to point out is that even though I know several of you probably enjoy seeing one of the trio die with me, you're just holding out for popularity. <laughs> Gotta say, they're all no, gonna live, so all the fans if love it... me. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not the thing that's being hated. You, I just, this is the way I feel. You so feel very strongly I'm about this, Ben. for what I believe in. No, you know what? I, I mean, I would be very sad if one of the members of the trio died, but at the same time, I would understand that that's reality. I could go with it either way. <laughs> Although, okay, I had one thing I wanted to say. Was anyone else surprised that Stephen King and John Irving did not read from Carrie and The World According to Garp? Yeah, since that's kind of what it was called. <laughs> well, it's just what they're—it's what they're really famous for reading. That's what, famous for writing. So. Yeah, but I just figured if that's what they were calling it, then. Well, well, Harry is so vague. Harry could be any of the books. That's not really fair to the authors to call it Harry, Carrie, and Garp if they are actually going to make them read those novels. Yeah, I guess. Because what what J.K. Rowling novel is Joe, Joe not going to read that isn't a Harry book? Well, the rabbit else. one? Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. The rabbit book she wrote when she was six. Well, that would be interesting to that, that hear at least. Cool. <laughs> that would be fun. But apart from that, I had a great time. Yeah, it really was an excellent awesome. event put on by Scholastic. And hopefully she'll do something like this in the future. Maybe another six years. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she does, but 
one of the reasons that I was so adamant to go is because, I mean, it's really a once in a lifetime experience. Even if we do see her again, we're not going to probably see her reading alongside such great authors such as Stephen King and John Irving. So I'm not sure we'll ever get to see anything quite like it again. Right. Yeah. Combined with those two other authors, it really was a unique night. Mm -hmm. We actually had uh, a lot of cool people at the Vegas and New York shows who brought us things. Um, I think I want to say, I think yeah. I know who you're talking about. Jennifer yes. and Kelly. Time New to York. thank them. They made us nice little goodie bags filled with chocolate and goodie hats bags. and um, a few other different things. And uh, all we all got a little personalized letter. It was very nice. And we also got uh, little kangaroos from, uh, who was it again, Jamie? What was her name? The Australian girl? Erica. Erica. Yeah, thanks to her for these little kangaroos. I also, I don't know if anyone else did. I got a little iPod carrier from someone. I forget your name. Please email me and then I'll thank you. It has a little A on it. And it's the Gryffindor colors. It's really nice. In New York, a really lovely, wonderful girl named Katie brought me a bunch of Saved Our Four bracelets because uh, she and a friend of hers are really into the cause. And they made a little movie about it. And it was at um, their school's like Academy Award type thing for... Um, student-made movies, so um, I wanted to thank her for being really into that cause because that's something that's very important to me, and it was really sweet of her to bring those for me. And we also got cards from a girl named Christina. She all made us little personalized cards with a note. Oh, yeah, those were so cute. (laughs) Yeah, so thanks again to everyone who came out to the live shows. Uh, We had a great time meeting everyone. Uh, Anyone else got anything to add? And you can tell everybody... This is your show. I'd just like to say, I'd like to say something very quickly. It's going to be brief. I'd just like to say to everyone that um, um, every time we touch, I feel the static, and every time we (laughs) touch, I reach for the sky. Can't you feel my heart beat slow? I can't let you go. I want you in my life. All of you. Oh wow! So uh, thank you very much. It's very nice. You can tell everybody that this is your show. So once again, thanks to everyone for listening and for the past year. We really appreciate everyone's support, all the emails, all the thank yous, all the all the I everything that guys. we get. Exactly. On that note, let us give you our contact information one last time, the P.O. Box, Ben. P.O. Box 223, Moundridge, Kansas, 67107. You can also leave a voicemail for us in the United States, dial 12820 magic If in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. If in Australia... Just for Erica, you can dial 02-8003-5668. Don't forget, you can also email us, mugglecast at staff.mugglenet.com. Skype the username mugglecast. You can leave a voicemail that way, too. And do not forget to vote for us at the 2006 Podcast Awards. Vote for Mugglecast in People's Choice and Pottercast in Best Entertainment. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Jamie Lawrence. Oh, my God. Eric and Jamie, that was the most depressing goodbye. <laughs> Sorry. And I'm Jamie Lawrence. Goodbye. And bye. That's better. We leave you tonight with voicemails from listeners like you who can recall some favorite MuggleCast moments from the past year. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next week for episode 51.
be an American! But at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the man who died, who gave that right to me. And I'll gladly stand up. My kind of so tired. Till today, get the pink Hi, Mogacast. This is Marissa Bowers, 14 of Pennsylvania, and I wanted to call about the favorite podcast numbers and moments. And I have to say that one of my favorite moments is Jamie's proposal. I laughed for 10 minutes, of course, or more, and rewound it about five times. And my other favorite moment is Jamie's bet with the sausages. Mmm, good times. Can't wait to... And you know what? I just really want that to happen. As much as I don't want Harry to die, I just still want that to happen. <laughs> Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Hello, my Lucas. This is Zeta from Canada. Um, my favorite Monkcast moment has to be this. This is Monkcast episode 18 for December 04, 04 2005. Want to know why? Because it's the first ever Monkcast episode I've ever listened to. So, love the show and keep it up. Bye! Hey guys, it's Nicole from New Hampshire and I just want to say happy 50, happy 50th episode and I love the show. And my favorite moment was when Mad Vine said Joe was full of it. I love the show. Bye! Hi, this is Tori from Texas, calling in for episode 50, our favorite local cast moments. Um, I think my favorite moment, pretty recently, is um, Dumpster Diving Joe. <laughs> Every time I listen to that one, I just crack up and can't stop laughing, so that would have to be my favorite local cast moment. Alright, guys, keep up the show. Bye. Hi, MuggleCast. Um, I was just calling to tell you one of my favorite moments in MuggleCast. Um, my, one of my favorite moments was when on episode 23, Melissa called in for the advice segment and um, pretended to be Julie, even though you guys probably knew it was her. But um, I just it took me a while to figure it out. When I did figure it out, it was really funny. So I really liked that. Bye. Hey, MuggleCast, this is Katie from Florida, and I just wanted to say I love, absolutely love your show, and your show makes me feel I'm not the only nerd out there, and I love you, Ben. Bye. Hi, this is Liz from Weatherville, Maryland, and I was just at your live show in New York City, and I had a great time, and when I first saw you all come out there, it just reminded me how much joy you guys actually bring into my life, and I I speak for a lot of MuggleCast fans when I say that you guys definitely make the week a whole lot better, and I would seriously, just like, I don't know what I'd do without Model Class. You guys are amazing. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Um, yeah, on Mary Benching. Okay, bye. Hi, Andrew and Ben. It's Ryan Sims. Okay, bye. Hello, my name is Johnny, and I live in Georgia, which is very close to where Laura lives, and I want to meet up with her, and we're going to have several little muggles. Bye. <laughs> 